secret weapons. The Jedi Council deploys a squad of droids on a desperate mission aboard a Separatist cruiser. Under the guidance of Colonel Meeberg Ascom, the droids succeed in stealing a crucial encryption module. Now the Colonel and his droid squad must return the module to the Jedi Temple to crack a Separatist code detailing an impending terror plot against the Republic. Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar, welcome to the 171st Voiding Where Prohibited episode of Mandovision, Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, via social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share this show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. How is everyone doing? We are back to cover another exciting epic in the journey of D-Squad. Uh, I mentioned in the last episode uh, how I am a big, big fan of the droid episodes of the show. I, I really have become quite enamored with them uh, as I've gotten older. And, and I, I don't know, I just truly, truly appreciate them. Uh, much more so than I think I did at the beginning of, 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 during the initial run of Star Wars The Clone Wars. And um, I think for good reason. I think my, my overall enjoyment of the Clone Wars series uh, really grew over time. It, it wasn't until, it, I, I don't think I realized how good Star Wars The Clone Wars was until after it was taken away from me so rudely. <laughs> you know, right there in the middle of the season of, of what was to be the sixth season of the show. Um, so it, 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 it's a show that is like a, a, a lovely bottle of wine. It has, I think, aged very, very well, and I appreciate it now more than I did uh, back when these were, were beginning in, like, you know, 2008, 2009, and, and on, uh, until we get the final, until we finally get to this last season in just like a year or two ago now at this point. My goodness. So, yeah, the droid episodes are a big, big deal, and we're here today to talk about, you know, probably the most infamous, one of the most maliciously maligned episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars, we're here to talk about A Sunny Day in the Void. And now, again, there, there, this episode is um, blasted by people online. If you, you read the reviews on IMDb, there are so many just awful things said about it. <laughs> but George Lucas himself, the creator, has said this is his favorite episode. Now, is he trolling the trolls? Or is he serious? I think he's serious, because I know, we all know, 
Uh, he's a big fan of droids. He made up the word for God's sake. He made it part of our, our lexicon of, of, of words to talk about Star Wars. And it's indelibly a Star Wars word. I mean, that's all there is to it. I, I, so I, I do believe George Lucas is a big fan of the majority of the droid-based episodes, and we know how much he loves R2-D2, for God's sake. So there you have it. I don't know what else to say. But yeah, this is an episode, and I think, I, I think if you have a, 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 a memory of it, and maybe not a fond one, uh, I would encourage you to try to let go. <laughs> to, to borrow from our, our Jedi um, overlords. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, search your feelings. You know, let go of, of what you think you know about this episode. And just watch it for the for sort of like the fun adventure that it is. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot of good stuff in the in the D-Squad episodes. And, and this this episode is... Uh, very interesting, very visually interesting as well. There's a lot of, um, well, I don't want to say there's like a lot of, the palette they use is very interest, interesting, let's put it that way. And and we'll sort of discuss some of the things that I, I noticed watching it as we get into the episode itself. But I, I, I liked some, like the detail work. You know, again, they're in the void, so it's it's very, it's very empty. You know, we have like the, 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 the sky, which is a very kind of neutral color, the ground, which is a very neutral color, and our droids rolling across it. But there's some there's some really interesting detail work, um, wear and tear that they're showing on the droids as they're making their way from the crash sh- uh, crash site to, uh, in their search for the, for for some sort of safe haven. Uh, I, I I think some of the, some of the animation work they did is really really nice in this episode. Uh, but other than that, like, like I don't know what else to say. So we might as well just get into the episode, right? Like we'll skip the long preamble. And just kind of dive into things, all right? So, yes, this is Season 5, Episode 11, A Sunny Day in the Void, original air date, December 8th, 2012. This episode is written by Brent Friedman, directed by Kyle Dunleavy, and our plot, D-Squad, has obtained their mission objective, but crash-landed on a desolate planet after a run-in with comets. Hmm. And we have a very small voice cast this week. Steven Stanton returns as Colonel Mieber Gascon. Ben Diskin is whack. 47 and Tom Kane is our narrator and just a little reminder of our droids we have RTG2 QTKT M5B2 U9C4 and we said it before WAC 47 in the house uh, we also as, as we said last time the D squad episodes they changed the font color for Star Wars the Clone Wars it goes from its traditional yellow to blue in tribute of R2 himself and and uh I think that's kind of all my notes I have. Oh, you know what? Jedi Fortune cookie time. Holy smokes. When all seems hopeless, a true hero gives hope. Uh, I believe that refers to Wack in this episode. Wack stepping up. You know, he showed some leadership skills in that first episode. You know, perhaps even even more so than the actual leader of the mission, Mieber Gascom. Uh, but in this one, uh, uh, Wack, you know, kind of carries Gascom through... A very hard time here, you know, stranded on this seemingly desolate planet, and it seems like Gaskin wants to give up hope, but it's Wack who gets him through things. Now, Gaskin does step up and 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 start to kind of rally himself, and we'll talk about that too as we get to it. But but Wack's sort of like the inspirational, uh, spiritual leader in, in a lot of senses in this episode. So it says a lot about uh, Wack and his, and sort of like the journey that we're on with him through these episodes. So let's go ahead and get into it. You know what that means? It's time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. How long until my command center is operational again? Okay, fine. 
I meant how long until BZ is operational again. Well, make it fast. We must get this encryption module back to the Republic as soon as possible. First off, I think I need to apologize because I think I, I misannounced one of the droids. I think I might have said M5B2, but it's M5BZ. My twos and my Zs sometimes look very similar. So we open up this episode uh, after we get our recap. We're back. We're on the Republic ship. We're in hyperspace. We're heading back to safe territory. We're going to deliver that Separatist encryption module. And, and we're going to be able to crack the code and figure out what the Separatist plan is going to be. Right, right, right? Well, the droids are hard at work putting BZ back together. And and you get that nice little, uh, you know, correction from the droids when, when Gascom refers to him as as his command center. Very degrading. Mieber Gascom still got some things to learn about, about being nice to droids. That's a fact. But R2 puts him in line real quick and gets him to come around. Uh, now Wack is going to step back here after BZ gets reactivated, and he's going to deliver some bad, bad news. Oh, BZ, you are all better. Wack, what are you doing back here? Who is flying this shuttle? I have good news and bad news, Colonel. The bad news is scans are picking up giant ice formations commonly called comets heading straight for us. What? What in the world is the good news? At least you will have a good excuse if your mission is a failure. Don't you get out of So that's bad. <laughs> it's not often a a, a, a a storm of comets uh, are, are going to be able to disrupt you through hyperspace. We don't see that. We don't see that sort of thing very often uh, in in Star Wars. Is something other than you know when the Empire deploys like a gravity well generator or something like that. Like it's very hard to to kind of get a ship out of hyperspace. Like you feel very safe, very comfortable in hyperspace, particularly in this time of the the Star Wars timeline. I suppose you know you go back to the High Republic. That's a whole different issue, as we as we all know. If you're re reading the High Republic stuff, hyperspace a little bit more dangerous. Things going on there. In this timeline, in this part, in this section of the timeline, hyperspace is, is like you know you escape to hyperspace and you're kind of in safety, right? That's sort of like the idea. Not so fast. This uh, this the storm of, of ice comets or ice, I guess comets are ice, uh, <laughs> heading this way, and uh, Amir Gaskin was gonna make the decision like, well, I guess we can't hyperspace through it because it'll probably destroy us in the process. So we're gonna have to come out into the field of comets rocketing across their path and. Uh, it's very action-packed and very action-oriented. And, and w one of the elements I really like about this sequence here, as, as Gaskam and Wack are going to try and navigate through the, the field of comets, is we get uh, the astromechs. They get deployed out onto the, the wings of the ship to like, do some repairs to the engine once one of the comets uh, does some damage to the ship. And, that, again, that is something that we do not get to see very often. I mean, I, in my memory... I can only think of episode one in The Phantom Menace when we first meet R2-D2. Have we gotten to see, uh, like, astromechs doing uh, repair work on a ship? If, if, if there was an episode of it in The Clone Wars, I, 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 it's eluding me in my memory. But I, I thought it was really cool to kind of come back and see that as, as uh, the ship is rocketing through the field of comets. The the debris from those comets coming in, trying to take out the droids. They're they're trying to evade those those chunks of ice as they're working on the ship. There's there's a, a harrowing rescue as a couple of droids do get knocked off by the comet, but they they you know we see sort of like the the bravery and the camaraderie of the droids where they they go to great lengths to save each other from flo fro from, excuse me from floating off into the emptiness of space and to never be seen from again. 
Uh, it's a really great sequence. A lot of fun. A lot of you know, it's it's pretty good, actiony stuff. It's a it's a fun piece of Star Wars visuals. You know, it's just really neat. I, I encourage you to check it out. There's not a lot of great sound clips I can pull up from it, other than whack and and me uh, <laughs> screaming at each other, and then the droids outside of the ship beeping at each other but it's it's great there's a lot of high tension the music the score that kevin kinder does is fantastic uh so so don't skip over that section of the show uh but yeah the ship will get some damage and we're gonna we're gonna a little bit of a report on that about now we have lost the stabilizers and primary control of the engines we are going to have to put her down on that planet what planet is it? Is it Separatist controlled? Who cares? I care. We can't jeopardize the mission. I think we are past that point, sir. So, Wack is able to somewhat safely get them to the surface of the planet here. Coming to a crash land. The ship's no good. That's not going to work out for them. And the mechs have to figure out what to do. Gascom has to figure out what to do. Uh, and again, he, you know... Again, this is sort of sometimes some of the issues with with some of the storytelling narratives in Star Wars: The Clone Wars. And sometimes it, f- it feels like some of the characters sort of forget the lessons they just learned because because uh, Gascom is still kind of a jerk to the droids, as you're about to hear, and he basically blames them for the crash. Can't possibly have been the comet's fault. That's you know just that's that would be ridiculous. But let's kind of get the lowdown on the situation now. Well, this is a fine mess you mechs got us into. Look at this. All the database says is Abapar, information on planet void. Don't be absurd. We can't just go rushing off like fools into this, this void. We need to stay put. Consider all the facts, and then I'll, uh, I'll draw up a reconnaissance plan, and we can... Hey! Hey! Where are you going, soldier? He says we have to finish our mission. Hey! Where did you get that? That is classified material! I will not stand for insubordination! Do not worry, Colonel. I can leave the mission from here and return the module. Maybe they'll give me a promotion. Over my dead body? Beast, pop your top. I will not let you droids commandeer my mission. So that's a really enjoyable sequence, honestly. R2-D2 steps to the plate and does R2-D2 things. During the crash, uh, Gascom had put down the Separatist encryption module and R2 had picked it up and now he's kind of calling the shots because he's got it and if they if, if Gascom wants to get it back he's got to follow R2 and the rest of the astromechs into the void and that's that's basically what happens here and you know whack it's a few shots in as well that uh he'll take command of the of this operation if if Mieber wants to stay behind with the ship and and uh evaluate and do analysis on things uh but no 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 he he can't do that so uh, uh, Gascom's kind of put in check a little bit in this episode because, again, the droids are sort of asserting that they're quite capable and they don't need me, uh, Gas, Gabber, me, me, Mieber Gascom. I'm still doing the same thing I did last episode. They they don't need Mieber Gascom to survive the situation. And R2-D2, we know R2-D2 believes in getting his missions accomplished. 
That was one of the first things we learned about that droid when we saw him for the first time back in Star Wars, A New Hope, if you're my age bracket, and that was the one you saw first. But yeah, R2-D2, also equally mission objective based. He's a, he's a big believer in uh, achieving the goals set before him. And, and I like how he's sort of taking control of this situation. So let's talk about the planet that they've crash-landed onto, the, the, the void, as it is you know, known. The planet is Abafar, as was just stated. It's located in the Spryzen sector of the Outer Rim Territories. It is a desert planet, even though, you know, when it crashed, and you see this, like, the way that's this, that the, the material of the surface kind of breaks apart, it doesn't look, like, sandy, but it's definitely known as a desert, according to, you know, Wikipedia, and, and that's good to know. And it, the desert planet was also known as the Void, due to the properties, and this is from Wikipedia, I'm reading, and this is straight from Wikipedia, right? Its primary terrain was desert, known as the Void, due to properties of the planet's atmosphere and surface regoloth, did I read that right? <laughs> Regolith that made it impossible to see the sun or any tracks left on the ground, making it extremely easy to get lost among the barren flats. Known fauna included the Void Striders, Reptivan creatures that traversed the Void in search of surface water. We will meet them later in this episode as well. Outside of Void Striders, Avafar had limited biodiversity with bugs being some of the only other sentient, sentient species the only other species present, excuse me. Abafar's primary resource was his valuable and highly explosive Rhydonium fuel, which I believe comes into a, uh, play later. Well, not later in this episode, but in the next episode of the D-Squad series. So yeah, there's a little bit of a history on Abafar. All right, so we'll go ahead and let's check in with D-Squad as they're making their way across the desert of Abafar. And... Uh, Gas comes inside his little command center in, in BZ's dome, and the heat's getting to him a bit, so he's going to come out for some air and, and get a little conversation between he and Wack. And, again, you gotta, I, I really appreciate Wack's perspective on things. Not such the, the naysayer that Mieber Gascom has become in, 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 in light of this crash. And this is the section that I was sort of talking about. Like, like I really think they did a really nice job animating the void here, this sort of uh, tannish, khaki-colored sky the light coloring on the surface. And again, you sort of see the, the scoring, the wear and tear on the droids as they're marching their way through this void. Uh, I, I think they did a really wonderful job animating it, but let's go ahead and check out the conversation between Wack and Mieber Gascom. I can't believe I came this close to completing my first mission only to get lost in this detestable desert. Look on the bright side, Colonel. At least it is a sunny day. What sun? I don't see any sun. It's just hot and oppressive. Wait a minute. There's no sun. How do we know which direction we're going? You set your directional guidance to straight? That's all we're going on? Some rudimentary programming directive in a lousy astromech? Yes, I know your design for navigation, but that requires map coordinates and environmental input, something we are sorely lacking here. All right, we can't rely on technology. We have to rely on my training, something you droids don't have. All right, so I want to pause it right there because this turns into a really interesting conversation between the difference of training and programming. Uh, and I really like, again, Wax's perspective on this I think is very interesting and very unique. And, I, you know, again, turns the tables on Mr. Know-it-all, Mieber Gascom himself. 
How do you know, Colonel? Because droids don't get training. You get programmed. That's your weakness. So, how is your training going to lead us out of this void? Well, my training as an officer tells me to use all available resources to, uh, to stay alive until help comes. So, your officer training, how exactly did you learn that? It was drilled into me by my superiors. Then you were programmed, just like us. What? No, I am not like you droids in any way. I can think outside my programming. I mean, my training. And I can make decisions based on a complex analysis of a situation. Which is why I insist we return to the ship. Wait a minute. Why can't I find our tracks? There are not any. What? I noticed it earlier. This surface leaves no trace of us. You noticed it earlier? Why in the world didn't you say anything? I did not think we would want to go backwards, when forwards seems to be the only way out of this void. <sighs> Why are you thinking? I don't want you to think. Thinking is my job. I am the commanding officer. You are just a pilot. Oh, that hurt. <sighs> I have been thinking, Colonel. I told you not to do that. <laughs> Sorry, just a lot of, uh, I'm amused by so much of this episode that I, I just kind of let it run here. Uh, it's at this point we're also going to, they they find another ship, and they're worried that it's their ship, and that they've just been going in circles. But it find, turns out, in in fact, it is another crash ship with a, a skeleton and a, and a, a uh, uh, non-functioning droid amongst the wreckage here we don't know if they survived the, didn't survive the crash or if perhaps they just you know they decide to wait for rescue from their ship and we see what happens if you wait for rescue that's my assumption on what they're trying to say there is if you waited in your ship they'd be dead because no one's coming looking for you here on abafar uh but gascom takes it up takes it upon himself to climb to the top of one of the the the, the tails of the of this ship so he can get kind of get like the high ground and and scan for anything but he uh he kind of gets like that that uh desert mirage thing going on and thinks he sees like an oasis and and he chases off after it and it's all, all fruitless and this is sort of like the beginning of despair setting in for for him the kind of scene this is turning into a hopeless situation he'll never finish this mission he won't get that promotion that he wants he won't return to republic space as a hero uh and and now he's hallucinating in the, in the desert and it's things aren't going well for meber gascom at this point so after after chasing after the, the desert mirage, uh, Gascom kind of goes a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and Whack tries to take control of the group. They're not having the Astro Droids have sort of united behind R two D 2s leadership, and they're going to continue to follow him out of the void, believing that at least he's the only one thinking logically. At least if he's going in a straight line, he's going away from the crash. They've gone back in circles. They found Gascom's water bottle that he chucked at one of the droids earlier. So like they're kind of spinning around here but whack and meber are sort of forced together at this point because the asteroids have decided they're going to do their thing like hey we're going this way that's the plan but whack's a little hurt because he's being just viewed as the pilot and not as a potential leader and again we've seen r2 lead droids before so we know r2 has those leadership skills but now it's up to whack and meber gaskum to kind of come together if they're going to get out of this situation 
We need a new plan, Colonel. I just realized. What if I'm dead? What if I died in that shuttle crash and now... Now I'm stuck here in limbo. Yes. I should have gone with the mechs. <laughs> That's such a great line. <laughs> yes, Wax sort of just realizing that that he he chose the wrong side in in this. Think about it. Life, life is a void. We search and search for answers, but there are none. Hope is just an illusion, Wax. Death is the only certainty. Giving up is not in my programming. I am surprised that it is in yours, Colonel. Maybe. Maybe you're right. All right. I love that shot there of, of again, Mieber Gascom laying on the desert sand, desert floor, questioning the idea of hope. The saying it is all hopeless. Life is a void. Life is empty. Life is meaningless. And as he's staring off into the, the, the sky of the void, Wack coming and hovering above him with his one optical receptor and, and seeing his reflection in, in that eye and, and reaching up and, and touching the receptor and, and, and kind of cleaning the sand off of it and seeing himself more clearly and how despair is really set into him. I, I love that shot. I love Mieber Gascon being able to sort of reflect on himself via reflection. It's almost textbook. And and and, and having to, to be like, no, you know what? This droid just said he's not going to give up because he's not programmed to. And I just made a big thing about how training was going to get me out of this. And I'm, you know, again, this is sort of like that moment of revelation for, for Mieber Gascon that is, is, is really vital in this episode for him. And, and Wack is the one providing the hope. That's, that's really sort of the key thing to take apart, take from this episode. I was taught to find a rational solution to every problem, but this void, this proves that that's not always possible. Maybe I need to change how I see things, and that will change my programming, my training. You know what? You are more than just a pilot whack. <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! All right, all right, you calm down, soldier. All right, so you're hearing the rumble, something in the distance coming their way, and we're about to meet those uh, striders we talked about a moment ago. So now they've grabbed hold of the avian striders and they're they're making their way across the desert now at great rapid speeds and and uh, Gascom's about to explain why they're doing this and I, you know those of us who took a biology class we can figure this one out but it, it's still fun. You can see that, right? 
I sure can. How did you know, Colonel, that these creatures would get us out of the void? <laughs> You've got your programming, I've got my training. But these creatures, they have their instinct. They know how to survive out here. If you say so. So the Striders take him to a watering hole, basically, that's on the edge of a town set in two, set below the surface of the desert. Sort of like some of the structures that we've grown familiar with in our time visiting Tatooine. So let's go ahead and check on in with everybody one more time. I don't believe it. Those mechs beat us here. Stupid, lucky droids. Just like you said, Colonel. Tell you what, Wack. Why don't you get the squad ready to roll? I've got a second chance to complete this mission, and I intend to take advantage of it. After I rehydrate myself. That'll be all, Corporal. Corporal? Yes, sir. The squad will be ready to roll. Something pretty funny about... <laughs> about <laughs> Wack getting promoted to corporal, considering he spent all last episode calling the colonel a corporal. Uh, so that that sort of amuses me very, very much. But it seems that Wack and and Gaskum have put their issues aside, and now they're sort of connected to each other, right? That's pretty interesting. But it is also funny that the, the Astro Droids beat them to this settlement, uh, this seemingly abandoned settlement. Uh, we don't see a lot of life here, just a lot of structures, empty structures, not a lot of people rolling around doing anything. Uh, so we'll get to that mystery in the next episode. But now, uh, Wack with his new promotion is going to try and assert some control over R2-D2 and the other Astrodroids, and, and uh, eh, let's see how it goes. Attention! Front and center, soldiers! I want us ready to roll! Pronto! Pronto! That is Corporal Wack to you, soldier, and I will not tolerate insubordination! <laughs> So R2 rolls away, kind of laughing at the idea that Wack's now going to call the shots here because he still has the, the Separatist encoding module, encryption module. So what's, what's Wack talking about? And that's the episode. We get a, we kind of pan out. We see a shot kind of showing us these, the settlement and the way it's kind of connected together, the, the sort of geometric shapes that it takes. Uh, it's all very, very interesting visually. Uh, but I don't think we get to pick up those pieces until the next installment of the D-Squad arc. But that is it. That is... The episode, that is A Sunny Day in the Void, the much maligned, maliciously maligned episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars that I actually really, really like. I think this is a really solid, enjoyable, fun, fun episode of the show, and I give it eight buckets. I, again, we are big proponents of droids on this podcast. And look, you're, you, you know, you, you don't have to agree with me. I'm just telling you my opinion. But I strongly urge you to rewatch the D Squad episodes with a with an open mind, because they're fun. It's just fun Star Wars, as as we have started saying recently on the show. Star Wars is a smorgasbord. There is something for everyone. You don't have to pick up every single thing on the on the on the smorgasbord. You can pass it like if you don't want pickles, don't have pickles. You don't want that salad over there. You don't have to have that salad. You want to go for the meat. You want the fried chicken. You want the steak. You want the prime rib. Whatever. It's all there. 
pick what you want. You don't have to like the whole thing. You just have to like what you like. And that's what that's what matters the most. Uh, so yes, that is a sunny day in the void, season five, episode eleven of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. And again, I find this episode to be delightful. It is unfairly attacked by the quote unquote fans. Just gonna say it. Just gonna say it. All right, so we're going to wrap up the show right now. Uh, thank you all so, so much for being here for our second installment of the D-Squad arc. Uh, I'm having a blast with this one. And uh, listen, if you're listening to this episode before and or begins airing, that means that I have probably hit my objective of getting the entire D-Squad arc recorded before and or starts, recorded and released. Uh, because I'm not going to – I either will hold this arc until after and or is done or I will release all the episodes very, very close together before Andor begins. So depending on when you're listening to this, <laughs> you'll know if I have failed or succeeded with my goal. All right? Uh, but that's, that's kind of it, because once Andor starts, I mean, we're going to be busy for, like, what, thir- thir- 13, 14 weeks? So there, there will not be a lot of time for clone warring while Andor is on. Uh, I want to fish. I want to do a boo. Holy smokes. All right, Bucketheads, let's go ahead and, and uh, another friendly reminder that we're on social media. Please make sure you're following us at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, longform stuff, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. If you want to support the show without having to spend a single solitary dollar, just give us a few minutes of your time. Give us a sweet, sweet, sweet five-star review. They truly, truly help the small independent shows like us stand out, not get lost in the shuffle of so many Star Wars podcasts. And we truly appreciate you taking the time to do that. Uh, if you do want to support the show with with some of your hard-earned cashola, uh, you can become an official member, uh, official member of Buckethead Nation. You can become a Mandivision maniac at patreon.com forward slash Mandivision. You can join the maniacs and the other Bucketheads, gain access to sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current Buckethead Nation members. The Aspinel Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail. Jeff is co-host on The Ring Air, a great music podcast that I want to hear more of. Thank you to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker Holly Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing, right here in San Diego and also in Baltimore, Maryland, the Beer Hop Brigadier General Jesus Beer Hops, the Silent Assassin, he who should not be named, and Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On, It's Still Good, a great movie podcast that I think you should check out too. And um, you might be hearing from Reagan very, very soon. We'll see how that turns out. All right. Let's go ahead, wrap this puppy up. We got two more episodes with D-Squad. I think you're going to have as much fun as I am, and I can't wait for us all to reconvene once again. But until then, remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I find that answer vague and unconvincing.